Prologue, April 1912 The Church of St. Peter and St. Mary, Fishbourne Marshes, Sussex, Wednesday, April 24th Midnight In the graveyard of the Church of St. Peter and St. Mary, men gather in silence on the edge of the drowned marshes, watching, waiting. For it is believed that on the eve of St. Mark, the ghosts of those destined to die in the coming year will be seen walking into the church at the turning of the hour. It is a custom that has long since fallen away in most parts of Sussex, but not here. Not here, where the saltwater estuary leads out to the sea. Not here, in the shadow of the old salt mill and the burned-out remains of Far Hills Mill its rotting timbers revealed at each low tide. Here, the old superstition still holds sway. Skin, blood, bone. Out at sea, the curlews and the gulls are calling, strange and haunting nighttime cries. The tide is coming in fast, higher and higher, drowning the mudflats and saltings, until there is nothing left but the deep, shifting water. The rain strikes the black umbrellas and cloth caps of the farm workers and dairymen and blacksmiths, dripping down between neck and collar, skin and cloth. No one speaks. The flames in the lanterns gutter and leap, casting distorted shadows up and along the flint face of the church. This is no place for the living. The taxidermist's daughter stands hidden in the shadow of the cypress trees, having followed her father here across the marshes. Connie can see Gifford in the knot of men at the porch, and is surprised. He shuns friendship. They live a solitary life on the other side of the creek, in a house filled with fur and feathers, bell jars and black-beaded eyes, Wire and cotton and tow, all that is left of Gifford's once celebrated museum of taxidermy. A broken and dissolute man, ruined by drink. But tonight is different. Connie senses he knows these men and they know him, that they are bound to one another in some way. When the midnight signal tolls along the churchyard green, a mournful train of sentenced souls in winding sheets are seen. The words of a poem learned in a classroom slip unbidden into her mind, a glimpse from the vanished days. Connie struggles to grasp the memory, but as always it fades to smoke before she can catch hold of it. The rain falls harder ricocheting off the grey headstones and the waterproof wrappers and coats. Damp seeps up through the soles of Connie's boots. The wind tugs at the skirt around her ankles. She tries not to think of the dead who lie in the cold earth beneath her feet. Then the sound of a man whispering, an educated voice, urgent, anxious. Is she here? Connie peers through the leaves into the mist, but she cannot tell from whose mouth the words came, 
and if the question was intended for anyone in particular. In any case, there is no reply. She is surprised by how many have made their way here, and on such a night. Most she recognises, in the glint of the lamp that hangs above the porch. The old village families, the Barkers and the Josephs, the boys and the Lintots and the Reedmans. There are only one or two women. There are also, so far as she can make out, three or four gentlemen, the cut of their clothes setting them apart. One is particularly tall and broad. She does not recognise them, and they are out of place in this rural setting. Men of business or medicine or property, the kind whose names grace the pages of the local newspaper during Goodwood Week. Connie shivers. Her shoulders are heavy with rain and her feet numb, but she dare not move. She does not want to give herself away.